Hello, everyone. We are so excited to announce this year's Principles to Practice Summit on Montessori and Ecological Consciousness. Join us for this transformative summit, which brings together experts, scientists, activists, and educators to explore how Montessori education can nurture environmental stewardship in our students and cultivate a generation of sustainability leaders. Our lineup of speakers, including our keynote speaker, Robin Wall Kimmerer, will present practical strategies for seamlessly integrating Montessori principles with sustainable practices, empowering educators to foster environmentally aware and socially responsible learners. The summit will run June 17th through 19th, but tickets are available now. Head over to courses.trilliummontessori.org for more information. I'm Simi Abdullah, and I'd like to welcome you to Trillium Montessori Talks, the podcast where we dig into the theory and application of Montessori methodology in the classroom and beyond. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Letty Rising and other Trillium course creators. Our goal is to provide you with a weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can optimize the classroom experience for your students and yourself. Ready? Let's talk Montessori. everyone. Welcome to Montessori Talks. My name is Letty Rising and I am here to talk about all things related to the Montessori elementary environment. And today I decided I wanted to tell a little story about, uh, it's about myself in the classroom from a long time ago, my first month of my first year of teaching and I'm relating it to botany because it was a pretty fun and interesting time for me. And I remember my first botany experience very well. So I wanted to share it with you all. So I remember the very first month of my very first year of teaching. And I was at a school that was not only new to me, but a new school altogether. We had two classrooms that were located in a church, and we were hoping that one day we'd be able to occupy a building of our own. There were lots of decisions to be made, lots of materials to prepare, and new families to greet, and it was a really busy time. And in hindsight, I don't know if I would have started out my very first (laughs) beginning teaching experience at a brand new school because there's just so much going on that you have to think about along with being a first-year teacher. So the school utilized a team teaching model, and there were two lower elementary classrooms during that first year. So there were four of us working together in collaboration, pioneering to be one of the first public Montessori charter schools in California. We all came together before the school year started to make plans, you know, like the week before school starts when everybody gets together and talks about what's going to happen for the school year. And for whatever reason I can't remember, I was absent during one of those afternoon planning sessions. And when I returned the following day, the other three who I worked with 
said that in my absence, they had decided to divvy up the cultural subjects. The idea was for each of us to choose a topic that we would focus on during that intense first year in hopes to preserve everyone's energy and stamina for all of those unexpected activities that happen during the inaugural year of a new school. One of the teachers chose history, another teacher chose geography, and another chose zoology. And that left me with the final unchosen topic, which was botany. I remember being not only sorely disappointed, but also borderline petrified at the thought of teaching botany. With all of the other topics, I felt like I had at least a decent working knowledge to build from. However, botany was the one area that I didn't feel like I had a firm grasp on. Not only did I not feel well-versed in botany studies, but my thumb was so black that I feared that if I even approached a gardening area, it would surely break off and crumble away into the soil in the ground. I decided to resign myself to the hand that I was dealt and went about conducting some research to find out what plants would be easiest to grow from seeds in my local area. I was not only new to the school, but I was new to the area as well, and I didn't know much about planting seeds or what seeds were suitable for the climate at hand. This was way back when the internet was still in its early stages of infancy, so I didn't have the option to quickly find answers at my fingertips as I run over to the console, figuring out, what do I need to look for? I set off to the gardening store, and one of the helpful clerks there suggested radishes would be an easy item to grow from seeds. I pushed through my inner resistance, bought several packets, and left with feelings of uncertainty mixed with hopefulness. During the first couple of weeks, I took the children out to the gardening containers that were lovingly built and filled with soil by our eager parent group. I figured that they should probably have a hands-on experience before I start covering the parts of the plant, the leaf, the root, and so on. I probably could have stretched it into a longer activity if I had sat them down, asked them what they knew about planting and plants, or if they had stories about planting seeds. But I was not only a brand new teacher, but I was also going through a huge transition in my personal life, and I didn't have my act together enough to set the scene, activate prior knowledge, and facilitate a discussion before the activity. My life is kind of a crazy mess at that time, and just being able to show up and get through the day was kind of where it was at for me at the time. In fact, truth be told, I wasn't sure if this whole teaching thing was for me, and I felt like I was barely hanging on for dear life. Anyway, the children planted their seeds, which took all of five minutes, and we walked back single file into the classroom to begin the work cycle and they gathered a small group for a different and unrelated lesson. And then guess what? I completely forgot about those radish seeds. That's not entirely true. As images of the planters would flash inside of my mind on occasion, usually when I was either in the shower or about to fall asleep, which especially then were generally times when my mind would wander to the random things on my invisible to-do list 
that never quite got done. I initially would feel a bit of anxiousness when I realized that I hadn't checked on the seeds and they were on the edge of the school property and not easily accessible without an intentional walk to see them. So it was pretty easy to do, nor had we watered them. But classroom life was busy, hectic, and chaotic. We had children with undiagnosed needs and limited staff in a small emerging school and so much to juggle and cover as a first-year teacher that I decided to leave following up on that project to the wayside. After all, none of the kids asked me about it. It's like they kind of forgot about it too. Or maybe those were my excuses. In any event, I put it out of my mind. As I reflect on that time, I think that I was secretly afraid of becoming attached to the seeds and the planters and not knowing how much or how little to water them and having my first planting experience fail. After all, you can't fail when you haven't even tried, right? Instead, I focused on other aspects of biology, particularly nomenclature material. I gave the children lessons on identifying the plant, the leaf, the root, the stem, the flower, the fruit, and the seed. We soaked kidney beans in water, then put them on wet paper towels and then into Ziploc bags and hung them on the windowsill. I felt more confident doing that, having the mature and experienced eyes of my wise co-teacher to mentor me and let me know if I was going off track. I created laminated materials showing different parts of the plant and the foods that correspond. For example, roots that showed carrots, stems that showed celery, and etc. I brought different kinds of edible plants representing different parts of the plant into the classroom for the children to observe and taste. Then one day, the school principal came up to me and said, you might want to check on those planters. It looks like the heavy rains happen to work in your favor. My cheeks turned bright red. I wondered if she viewed me as careless and indifferent, or if she had come to the conclusion that I was having inexperienced teacher reluctance over trying something new and familiar. I quickly darted out to the neglected garden area that it was probably supposed to be tending to. I was the one who was in charge of all things botany, after all. As I approached the planters, I saw a few bright green stems sticking up from a distance. I immediately swirled back around and sprinted back to class and patiently waited for recess to be over. It happened to be my afternoon for botany. And when the children returned from outdoor play, I walked them out to the planters to show them the miracle that happened during the past couple of months since we had dropped those radish seeds into the soil. Oh, the radishes, I hear a child exclaim. I heard one after another, gasps and squeals of delight. The children's faces were glowing, smiling from ear to ear as they harvested the radishes until the planter was bare. As they were digging and pulling out the radishes, we talked about the texture, the color, the various sizes and shapes. I never imagined a radish would be so exciting. Then we took them back to the school and washed them, cut them, and those who were fond of radishes quickly devoured them. Even those who were skeptical 
dove in after the early adopters gave their stamp of approval, it ended up being an extraordinarily delightful afternoon. Why the long-winded story time about my almost failed experiment with radishes, you say? Well, I learned a lot from that initial hands-on experience with botany, and that initial experience carried me not only throughout my teaching career, but also gave me some really good life lessons. As a new teacher, I learned that the seeds we plant, if planted in favorable conditions, have a good chance of sprouting and growing into thriving plants, whether or not we are paying attention. All of my earlier angst about what I perceived as a failed experiment due to my benign neglect actually turned out well in the end. Are there some seeds that didn't sprout? This is very likely the case, and the radish garden would have flourished even more had I taken the time and care to nurture their growth. Still, many of them grew under the basic but just right conditions, soil, water, sunlight, heat. I did get lucky. If it had been a colder fall season or a less rainy one, the outcome surely would have been different. I can share with the children the story of plants and let them know about the needs of the plant. But hearing a story about plants only offers a part of the experience. The rest is the doing. This is why it's so important as a teacher to not get caught up in the nomenclature cards so that it becomes a primary focus. It can be tempting to present the nomenclature then have the children copy illustrations of the leaves or even trace them, copying the words, making their own booklets, and just leave it at that. However, when adding the extra layers of rich experience through the use of storytelling, visual aids such as charts and encyclopedias, and most important, actual plant specimens, and opportunities to bring forth life from the beginning seed all the way to the mature plant, then the child learns early what it means to bring forth life. And what more of an incredible experience could we possibly give children than the opportunity to see life sprout from a tiny seed and grow into something that can be admired or used for nourishment? So let's talk about some life lessons we learned from plants. We learned a lot of things from plants that we can apply to our own lives. And the following are just a few examples. Struggles can make us stronger. The plant wouldn't come into existence if it failed to push through the seed coat and still yet failed to push through the layers of soil in the ground. But it's the very struggle that leads to its ability to flourish. We too need experience in struggling in order to flourish. I've heard time and again that while too much stress can cause us overwhelm, too little stress can lead to a lack of motivation and inertia. So we need that struggle in order to flourish. And we can look at plants and see evidence of a successful struggle that led to great outcomes. Another one is if you encounter an obstacle Move around it and keep going. If a plant is growing towards the light, or if a root is growing towards a water source, and an obstacle is in the way, 
Maybe the large leaves of other plants are blocking the sun, or maybe a large rock is blocking the root from a water source. Then the plant will maneuver around the obstacle and keep going. They don't run into an obstacle, get frustrated, and just give up and stop growing. They will figure a way around that obstacle and keep going. We can all learn this valuable lesson from plants, especially during times where we want to give up because we have an obstacle in the way. And as a new and inexperienced teacher, you are going to run into those. And even if you are an experienced and seasoned teacher, you're going to run into obstacles that are going to make you want to give up sometimes. Just keep going. Another one is the right environment is needed in order to thrive. Plants do everything they can to find what they need in order to thrive. If they don't have what they need in their vicinity, they will do as much as they can to make life work for them where they are planted. And plants that are in the right spot will flourish. If you put a desert plant outside where it snows for six months out of the year, it will wither and die. If you put a cold weather plant in the desert, it will wilt and shrivel up within a few days. Bloom where you are planted. However, if you're not blooming, then it's not the right habitat. We can move plants to the right habitat. And as people, we sometimes find ourselves not immersed in the right conditions for our own flourishing. Luckily, we can move our feet Take us where we want to go to more optimal conditions. And the last thing I wanted to mention as a piece of wisdom that we learn from plants is to find the light in any given situation. The plant will persist in the endeavor of finding the light, no matter how dark it may seem, and they grow towards where the light goes. Humans don't always have this inclination or at least it isn't as instinctive. For us, the light is metaphorical as we move towards things that feel good for us and that are good for us. It's important for us to choose those things and move towards the light, towards those things that feel good and feel right. Find the light in your world and plant yourself where you will most thrive. If you haven't found these yet, keep trying. Thank you for listening to another episode of Montessori Talks. Thanks for tuning in to Trillium Montessori Talks. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love the practical and actionable classroom management advice in the Montessori Principles to Practice webinar libraries. Head to trilliummontessori.org forward slash podcast for details and to learn about all the ways we can help you optimize your Montessori work. We'll be back soon with more Montessori inspiration. In the meantime, please help other Montessori guides find this podcast by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast listening platform. Thank you for being a part of the Trillium community.